Hello and welcome to Watch It Baptist Church Online. My name's Mike, I'm the pastor at WBC. We're here for the third part of our series about understanding Jesus. And before we go any further, let's pray. Father God, be with us as we seek to understand your son better. Lord Jesus, be with us as we look to follow you. Holy Spirit, be with us to inspire us and challenge us in our understanding. Lord God, would you bless us as we seek to know you. Amen. So we're going to have a quick look as we start at four little bits of scripture. They are only little. Um, I want to have a look at all four of them. We're going to start in Matthew. I'm going to start with Matthew 1. Now, I'm not going to read the whole of um, verses 1 to 17, however fascinating that can be under certain circumstances. But I'm going to read verse 1, which says this. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Then there's a list that goes on a little bit with some very interesting characters in it. But eventually, at verse 6, we say, uh, we read, and Jesse, the father of King David. So this is so-and-so was the father of so-and-so, was the father of so-and-so. David is the second king of Israel. And then we have, uh, in the verses that follow, that those who followed David, those who were the sons of his sons of his sons, and so on. Uh, and eventually we get to the exile, and then it carries on. After the exile, we had various people who... Um, were fathers to others and then eventually in verse 16 Jacob the father of Joseph the husband of Mary and Mary was the mother of Jesus who was called the Messiah. The key thing I wanted to pick up on is that David is king in verse 6 and there's a line that runs all the way down a family line that runs down to Jesus in verse 16. I'm only going to pick up in Luke 1 and we're going to a little bit more directly here. So uh, we're in chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. We have picked this up from Matthew. The virgin's name is Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings to you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will receive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So Matthew 1 tells us that Jesus is part of this family of King David. In this passage, we see how um, Jesus, when he is born, will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. So here the angel is saying, Jesus is going to be a king, and the throne he will have is that of his father David. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. So there's no doubt here that Jesus is being identified as a king. I'm pinging over now to uh, 1 Timothy, and I'm in chapter 6. Uh, and there's a, a, a final chart to Timothy is what the NIV editors have decided to title this section. And he's talking about how Jesus Christ will appear again. Uh, and so we get to um, verse 15. So uh, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 15, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the king of kings and lord of lords. 
So we have their recognition that the Lord God is king and that his son, Jesus, is king of kings and lord of lords. And just finally, just to sort of tie up with a bow, if you like, I'm popping into Revelation 17. Uh, we're not going to look at what the narrative is doing at this point, but we are just going to refer to verse 14, where it says various people will wage war against the Lamb, but the Lamb, and that's Jesus, will triumph over them because he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and with him will be his called, chosen and faithful followers. Is it, I think, an undeniable certainty that Jesus is supposed to be identified as a king? Now, the thing I want to do with that straight away is ask, what does it mean for a king to be a king, what does what does a king do? What what context gives a king his kingliness or kingship? And I want to say that I think there are a few things, such as a realm, so an an area or a, a location or a um, a place on on some level um, where that king is ruling, is in charge, where where what he says goes. The king also has authority wherever that rule is exercised. There is an, an authority figure that the whole of the kingdom um, respects and understands and, and defers to. He'll recognise that that king is ruling and has authority. That king also upholds law, sometimes makes law as well. And certainly I think Jesus would fit with those things and brings justice. And among the things we talked about last time round with Jesus acting as a prophet, one of the things was, was how um, a prophet talks about justice and injustice and the need for justice to prevail and what that will mean when it does. I think the challenge for us, though, is that as we think about a king, we tend to get sidetracked because of our limited experience of what having a king or queen, an active monarch, is like. In 1688, in this country, uh, a new king was invited in to take over so that another candidate to be king couldn't get the job. That candidate was James. He would have been James III. He was a Roman Catholic. And the Protestant Parliament at the time didn't want that. So they invited um, a relative of James's called Mary to come from Holland with her husband, William. William of Orange, to come and be joint monarchs. It's called a glorious revolution, partly because those who benefited from it thought it was really good, but also partly because there wasn't really a whole lot of bloodshed. A big army landed uh, and didn't really have to do any fighting. They just wandered into London and took over. And since that time, the idea of a king in this country has been really um, boundaried by what Parliament allow that king to do by the role of the Prime Minister, by the constitutional structure, by the presence of elected MPs and so on. As a result, we get a couple of things coming through in our experience of, of monarchy, of kingship or, or of queens. One of them is to say, you're not the boss of me. And that's, that's a common phrase in our culture, isn't it? No one gets to decide who I am or what I do or, or, or how I identify. I'm the boss of me. Now, not that long before, you might not have liked the king, but you'd have recognised that he was the authority. And if you didn't like him, you might try to depose him and get somebody else in who you liked. But the whole issue was built around the idea that there was a king and that king was in charge. 
our modern experience very much sees the authority figure as the prime minister uh, as an elected um, individual so in a way we're the boss of them because we put them where they are they have authority over us but only as much as we allow them to if we treat jesus and his kingship like this then effectively we're saying that jesus only has authority as much as i will let him jesus absolutely can be the boss but only the bits of my life which i don't mind him being the boss of i think that the concept of king as expressed in scripture in the bible is quite different from that that kings are lords and authorities and power so instead of you're not the boss of me the response to that kind of authority might be sort of maybe it's not too much of a cliche take me to your leader i want to i want to go and be in and around where the power is you think how many people uh, in, in our history in our nation's history longed to be at royal court to have kind of uh, the experience of being around all that power they wanted to be close to that and to some extent it was because of the trappings but it was also because being around power meant being noticed meant being considered valuable and important that's the kind of king jesus is he wants to bring us all into his close proximity he wants us to be where he is so we did we have this choice there's um, there's a king but it doesn't make a lot of difference to me and i think probably that's our, our modern understanding is a lot more like that and the authority the alternative is the authority thing there's an authority there's a defender of of us as as a realm as a kingdom and as a leader too somebody who is gonna uh, go ahead and, and face the risks on behalf of the people and I think if we recognise that kind of king as being where Jesus fits better than ignoring the king or saying the king isn't the boss of me or, you know, it's nice that there's a king, but it doesn't matter a whole lot. I don't think that's a very wise way to respond if we recognise that the king really does have that kind of authority. I don't want to sort of bounce off that and say that kind of kingship is a lordship. It's a, it's a power thing. And with that particularly with a powerful king who is benevolent, who is kind, who can be trusted, there is perhaps an incentive to be obedient because that king is going to be giving good instructions, making good laws uh, and bringing about good justice. That kind of king is going to be out there at the front when there's fighting, leading by example and taking the lion's share of the risk. The tricky bit for us is that if we're going to really grasp that idea of that kind of king that Jesus is, that he's identified as being uh, in Matthew and in Luke and in 1 Timothy and Revelation, then the best thing for us to do is to be uh, taking him really seriously and to be around him, to be near him. But I think there's a, there's a challenge for us if we want to be doing that. And I really hope that those of us who our disciples of Jesus who are followers and apprentices to Jesus do want to be around that that kind of kingship around him as that kind of king I think key to that is obedience if you have an authority figure with that much power and strength and that much benevolence kindness goodness if you like then there isn't a better place to be than nearby there isn't a better thing to do than invest in that kind of relationship 
by being obedient. Not least if we're thinking in Jesus terms, because in Matthew 28, that's how Jesus defines what a disciple is. They are someone who has been baptised and who is obedient to everything Jesus instructed. In order to be obedient, though, we need a sense of discipline. And I think this is this is a really big deal. Now, it's at this point, I'd like to quote um, a Franciscan monk from America, from the US, still alive today, called Richard Raw. Um, there are some ways in which not everyone's convinced that what he says is always helpful. Uh, and I'd advise you to read him with your eyes wide open in that respect. But I do like this quote, uh, which is on the screen, that says, If Jesus is Lord, then Caesar is not. And no matter how powerful the political leaders, no matter how powerful the world leaders, no matter how influential the leaders of our nations are, they are not Lord in the way that Jesus is. If Jesus is Lord, then the economy and stock market are not. Our entire world is very much built around our economic system. Free market um, economy stuff, you know, supply and demand prices and people being able to get access to things if they can afford it, whatever else. Um, though those things are, are big factors in how we live. But if Jesus is Lord, those things are not the deciding factors. If Jesus is Lord, then my possessions and my country and my job are not. It's interesting that I think there's a lot of identity in those three things. People can identify with, with what kind of things they have or what kind of responsibilities that they take or what kind of what status of role they have in their community or in their nationality. I think we find a lot of people around the world for whom their faith and their nationality kind of fight for position, fight for control, you know, and an assumption that their nation is, of course, one approved of by God and that by being nationally loyal, loyal to their nation, they will also then therefore be pleasing God. And I, I think what Richard Raw quite rightly points out is that isn't necessarily the same thing. And finally, if Jesus is Lord, then I am not. Ultimately, the person who is the boss of me isn't me. It's Jesus because he is king and so if we're going to be obedient we're going to need discipline there is there is no other way of doing it the reality is if we're going to get to where we want to go to then we need discipline the reality is that discipline isn't a, a state to be achieved it's a path to get to where you want to go ask any athlete ask any uh, baker ask anyone who wants to do something well discipline is their friend discipline takes them to where they want to go and so for us, discipline gives us the chance to exercise our obedience, but also to take us towards a closer relationship with Jesus, our King. And just very briefly on that front, going to draw a parallel with marriage. Now, I don't want to be misunderstood here. I'm aware that marriage can be a painful thing and that not all marriages work out. And I'm not saying for a moment that every marriage has to be maintained because circumstances can sometimes play deal a really tough hand to folks but in uh, at a wedding bride and groom make promises and the promises that they make are designed to hold a sense of discipline so it, effectively by making promises you're saying i know i won't always feel fuzzy i won't always have good intentions i won't always um feel a sense of warmth towards the other but 
I'm making promises because I am determined to be disciplined in investing in that relationship and making that relationship and, and family, um, whether it's two of you or ten of you, the best it can be by keeping those promises. Just quoting Kung Fu Panda here, Kung Fu Panda um, Poe in that um, story, right at the very beginning, falls down the stairs, um, having rushed to get to work with his dad because he's overslept. And um, his dad says, where have you been? And the panda Poe says, I'm sorry. And his dad says, sorry, doesn't bake the noodles. The reality is, no matter how good our intentions are, how warm our feelings are, those things don't, bake the no don't make the noodles. What we really need in order to get to where we want to go to is the discipline to stick with it and to do so under the authority of our king. So, so what? Well, I want to say this. If we want to recognise Jesus as prophet and priest, then there are ways in which we need to release some of our own, I don't know, presumptions about what Jesus is like. If we want Jesus to be our king and have his proper role in our lives, we also need to be able to put aside our sense of what we think Jesus should be and where we think our authority over our own lives should reach. We need to be able to let Jesus be king. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, be king. Please be king in our lives. Please be the one we look to, the one whose authority we trust. Amen. Okay, let's look at our three questions. Question one, what stops you from allowing Jesus to be completely king of your life? Question two, in what areas do you need to work on discipline so that you can stay obedient to Jesus? Question three, Richard Rawls quote that says, if Jesus is Lord, then nationality is not, and Caesar is not, and whatever else. It's quite a powerful quote. I want to ask if you can identify a couple of things which you are aware would be the things that might occupy that space of lordship in your life that you might need to get past to allow Jesus to be Lord instead. What are those things? Well, thank you for being with us again. It's been brilliant to work through this little look at Jesus as King together. Let's pray again and then we'll have a blessing and part company. Lord Jesus, we want to trust you. We want to be able to know that putting our lives in your hands is a sensible thing to do and you won't let us down. Please give us confidence. Encourage us through those around us. And let us be your subjects, even if it takes us the rest of our lives to learn how. Amen. And the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, Prophet, Priest and King, be with us all now and always. Amen.